And we're back again with the MPL League only edition of the Brisbane Football Review MPL Sunday show this weekend. Scott and Adam with you once again. And Adam, it's been another cracking weekend in the MPL. Yeah, look, uh, as we get through the weeks, uh, like I said, the, the uh, cream is starting to rise to the top. And uh, thankfully, not too many games were um, affected by the rain. Um, I know Northside sort of uh, Brisbane copped it a bit over the weekend, but uh, we almost got full rounds in. Just about almost. Just a couple of games did get rained out in the MPL men and women's, but we'll focus on the games which did go ahead because there were some cracking games. I mean, we have to start with the game at the Gold Line on Saturday night. Lions FC 3, Olympic 3. These two sides, just they don't understand what, what a normal mundane game of football is, do they? It's just, uh, like I said, it's just another chapter in what has been probably the most enduring um, rivalry in MPL Queensland, you know, in modern times. Um, yeah, the, it's just it's just amazing the drama that these two sides can put can produce. And yeah, this uh, last night was no exception. Like, what what a remarkable game football was. Absolutely. So Lions took a two 0 lead through Ethan Dockery and Jordan Free and led two 0 at the break. Olympic fought back through Jez Loftus and Daniel Leck to make it two all at about the hour mark, and then. It all kicked off from there, Adam, with a penalty, which was well saved from Lockie Hunter, and then Max Mickler with a superb strike to put Lions 3-2 up before Dan Leck went and topped that in stoppage time to get the point back. It was just an unbelievable unbelievable 45 minutes there in the second half in particular. Yeah, just the crazy stuff from two teams. Admittedly, I think both teams are sort of, you know, a bit under the pump and sort of, in terms of form. Uh, Lions, sort of, they only... They ain't got back to their winning ways uh, two weeks ago uh, with, with a decisive win over Gold Coast United. Um, uh, Olympic, on the other hand, they, they haven't won in two games. So both teams are you know, outside the top, the top four. And I think it's you know, points lost to both teams in the grand scheme of things. But when you are playing, you know, when two teams like this come together and play, you know, sometimes you, know, you that game, you'd be happy to walk away with, with a draw, because I don't think they'll, they would deserve to be a loser in that game. No, it was fourth v fifth, but it was more. It was every bit of what you would expect of a top four showdown, and it was there was even more drama because I think Matias Simic went down in the in the, had picked up an injury in the warm up, and he went he got subbed quite early, and Luke Borian was limping around on one leg out there as well. So Lions were on Lions were certainly the walking wounded out there, but it was just a crazy, crazy game. Yeah, two players as well that, you know, that Lions really, you know, rely on in, you know, Marty Simic, their captain, you know, he's, he's a Mr. Dependable at the back um, in his combination with Tommy Gerrard and, you know, Luke Borian, you know, the fact that he was pretty much playing that second half, you know, on one leg, you know, limping around, he wasn't playing his usual sweeper-keeper role, which I think um, at least led to the equaliser in the, uh, you know, for, for Olympic uh, so, so yeah, you know, he wasn't playing his normal game. So that's two big injury concerns that you know Lions have going forward the next few weeks. So quick hits. Well, who would you say walk away the happier out of that? Do you think would it be Lions for getting a point at playing so well to get out in front, or would it be would it be the Olympic for coming back? Because I reckon it'd be I reckon Ben Calm was probably the happy. We'll hear from both coaches in a minute, but I would thought he would have been the more happy of the two to get get out of there with a point, given given the fact he was down. T- 2 0 and then 3 2 and come back. I'll, he would have been happier to me. What, but what do you think? Well, that's a good question. Um, look, I 
Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'd I'd say Ben Khan slightly, only because the character of his team to fight back twice. Um, you could have easily, especially when Max Mikola scored the absolute cracker with about five minutes to go, you could have been forgiven to say, oh, that's the game winner, you know, beaten beaten by, you know, a bit, you know, that one moment. But the fact that they were able to get that the equaliser in stoppage time, um, yeah, I'd say he slightly would be happier. But look, I think Darren Syme can't be complaining either, considering, you know, the adversity that his side had to go through. Like losing Simic and Vorin, for anyone who's followed, you know, Lions for a very, very long time through this dynasty that pretty much they've put together in the last few years, they're, they're, they're your two main architects in, in that dynasty. To lose both them on the same night, well, Vorin did play, but he was probably half what we expect of him. Um, yeah, that that's to come through that adversity, I think that, that would be pleasing as well. Just quickly, the better goal, Mikula or Leck? I Leck. Yeah, again, so both I. both excellent goals, but you know, Daniel Leck, that's um, like the, the moment that was required, I think that was a sensational. Absolutely. So that's what we both thought of the game. Now you can hear what both coaches say. First, we'll hear from the Lions coach Darren Simon, then we'll hear from Olympic coach Ben Khan. Uh, we're doing by the coach of line, Darren Time. Darren, 2 0 in front, back to all, 3 2 in front, 3 all. How do you begin to describe that? Um, yeah, I'll sleep well, I think, tonight. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a roller coaster, there's no doubt, but it always is against Olympic. Um, you know, they're a quality side. Um, uh, I thought, you know, we started well, uh, we stuck to the game plan, probably didn't play as much as we felt we wanted to at times. Um, but we, we grew into the game. We scored at a, a good time for us. Yep. I think it relieved a bit of pressure. Yep. And then they obviously had to change a few things. And we certainly did it in the second half, yeah. yeah. There was a penalty shot there at the end as well. What did you think of that? Um, uh, uh, listen, I don't know. I was too far yeah. away. The, the ref was closer, so obviously he got it right. Yep. Also, Joey Duckworth playing a more midfield role this year. What, what led to that and how do you think that's working at the moment? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we lost a few as, as it's been, you know, publicised. And yeah. I just needed someone to come in and just add a little bit of stability. Yeah. Uh, Joey's a Lions boy. He knows the ethos. Um, so he's in there to drive things. And, and also he's in there for his quality as well. He, you know, he can shift the ball when, when it needs to from side to side. And But he's there, he's there to calm things down for us. And he's a worker. And you mentioned there's a lot of new faces here at Lions. Does that first taste of the rivalry with Olympic, is that really important as a group so they now know exactly what that level's like and what you've got to get to for those big games? Absolutely. Um, and that's what I spoke to them directly after the game. It's, it's about getting used to playing in these types of games. Um, and these games are decided on moments. You know, they're like the equalising goal at the end there. I think one player might have switched off and they pounced. So it's a team that minimises the damage from those moments that are going to go on and win. But, you know, absolutely. The boys are winning a lot. And down to, um, they're walking wounded there as well. A couple of players down with injuries there. Some Luke Gorian picked up an injury as well. How are those guys, do you know? Um, I don't really know. Well, we'll find out once we get back in there. Certainly when we spoke at halftime, Luke felt confident that he can contribute. Um, I don't think I would have had much chance of dragging him off anyway, really, the way uh, Luke throws himself into games. So, uh, yeah, Simo felt a little something in the in the warmer, but he felt confident to go. Obviously, that it got worse as the as the game went on. So, yeah, I mean, losing Simo was obviously quite pivotal, but 
tremendous character from the boys. Well, if you've got no luck getting Luke Gore and no goals, the rest of us have no hope either. Darren, unfortunately, I'm not the type of good luck going forward. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. I was joined by the coach Olympic Ben Khan. Ben, 2 0 down, back to 3 all. How do you begin to sum up that as a, a match? Yes, typical Olympic Lions game. There's goals everywhere, momentum changes every, every 10 minutes. I imagine for uh, for the neutral, it was a really entertaining game. Uh, obviously, for, from our point of view, I thought in the first 20, 25 minutes, we had some really good chances that um, you know we probably should have should have killed the game off. I thought we, we played really well. It was a really good performance from us. Um, you know, admittedly, at the end, they, they had a lot of chances as well, and uh, it was a bit bit of chaos at the end. Um, but that's that's Olympic Lions, and in the end, it's uh, yeah, point of peace. It certainly was. I'm saying it's neutral. I can assure you of that. What did you say to your side at halftime at two 0 down? Because to your point, they were you were playing quite well, creating plenty of chances, and it just wasn't yeah. quite falling through. It's not 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 often that you go in at halftime two 0 down and and truly believe that that we can win the game. And look around the dressing room, and know that everyone else believes that we can win the game as well. And you know, we we said that we should have scored three in the first half, and there's there's every chance that we. Uh, we, we can do the same in second and we, we scored three but unfortunately uh, we, we, we let one in at the other end. I imagine at two all you would have felt like you'd be able to go on and win the game. How about at 3-2? Did you still believe the side would be able to get get, get the equaliser laid on? I, th I think at 3-2 we, we well, yeah, we always believed we could get the equaliser but I think it, once we conceded the third I think winning the game became a stretch. Um, but yeah, at two all uh, you know, two, two all I'm, I'm really disappointed that we didn't use that momentum to, to go on and win it. You mentioned the momentum though, the late equaliser there. Is that the sort of momentum you can you can take from this game going into your next matches? Look, I said to the boys then that you know it's it's, it's still still relatively early in the season. Um, we uh, you know we, we we haven't played badly at all this season. We had a bad twenty minutes at East, but other than that, you know, we, teams have made it very difficult for us by not giving us anything, and no one's tried to play against us. Um, you know, Lions included today sat very deep and, and tried to just uh, you know frustrate us and waste time and run the clock down. So yeah, it's a really it's, it's a it's a new challenge for us. It's something that every week we're facing. Even the top teams are uh, are really trying to slow games down and, and just defend their box. And uh, so we we're having to adjust and acclimatise to that. But uh, you know, really happy that we scored three and there's a lot of positives we can take. So hopefully we can build momentum now and uh, and, and go on a run to to claw us back into contention. Just quickly on that different approach to attacking games this year how do you find that as a coach in terms of trying to break down teams to do sit more defensive like that yeah look it's a it's, it's a it's a really interesting challenge for us right? because we um you know I've, I've not seen it at this level before where 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 almost every opponent we play against is uh, is, is conceding possession in uh, in our half and that they're happy to sit deep for long periods and uh, you know just play long balls and, and not you know but uh, and the, the longer the game goes on without us scoring or winning, obviously we become more vulnerable on the counter attack, and, and teams are really, really capitalising on that. And some teams have done it really well against us this year. So uh, we, we're working hard at training. Uh, you know, the boys are very aware, the, the coaching staff are very aware of what most of the games this season are going to look like, and we're, and we're doing our best to, uh, to find solutions and to try and find some consistency in finding those solutions. Well, best of finding those solutions starting from next week. <laughs> thanks, thanks very thanks much. Back. Cheers. So it was a real, relatively content pair of coaches there at Lions Stadium. I want to thank both coaches for taking the time to talk to us. As always, Adam, where do you think both these two sides are at? Who would you say would be happy with the start, their start to the season more than the other? Lions have obviously gone through a relatively large rebuild to a degree. And Olympic, 
they're pretty stable, but it's not quite clicking at the moment. Who would you say would be the happier after the first third of the season? Oh, I, th- I actually think I actually think Lions would be. I think they would have expected um, a bit more of a come down. The, the, the turnover of players they've had, you just do not replace players like the Hall brothers, uh, you know, Alexander, you know, Yankovic. You know, it's just very, very difficult. So they would have expected that life would be tough early on. So the fact that they're still relatively in touch with the, with the, you know, the, t- the top, the top teams at the moment. Um, I think that they'll be pretty satisfied with that. I think more, it'd be more disappointing on the Olympic side of things because even though uh, they've had to relate, replace, you know, players like Aiden Hardjic and Tasuka Sakia um, and uh, Corey Sewell, uh, they, they had a real, the, the, core nucleus that team was pretty much together so the fact that they sort of seem to be struggling as well I think it's more a case of they they haven't adapted and I don't think they've at the moment found a way it's obviously become obvious how you know a lot of the lower ranked teams you know are, are taking them now trying to basically stifle them and that's what you know Ben can't sort of allude to in in your interview with him is that um that I think that a lot of teams now are starting to try to sit back and hit them on the counter and I think that they're bearish at the moment they're not they're not be able to find a way to be able to counteract that whereas they take on a team like Lions who actually went at them last night they're able to find that you know find what they need to get back. So I think that's what Olympic need to do. They need to find the way to these some of these uh, with all due respect to some of these lesser teams. They've got to find a way to break down that those walls and that defensive mindset because that, at the moment they you know three games without a win now for Olympic and that's you know that's very un Olympic like. Even though they are notoriously slow starters, uh, this is probably a slower start than you know that's even normal for them. It is. I tend to agree with you as well, by the way, about Lions probably being a bit happier with their start to the season. They also lost Josh Brindle South and, uh, yes, and Danny Kim as well. So they've lost a large chunk of that side, which was so successful in becoming a dynasty, as you alluded to earlier. We'll go through the rest of the results now, Adam. And it was on sat on on Saturday afternoon down on the Gold Coast, two one win for the Knights over Redlands. Peninsula Power maintained their winning record, two one against Eastern Suburbs. Three all draw also out there at Max Haynes Field between Capalabar. And Logan, and then five nil for the Raw in Mackay. What would you say is the most interesting scoreline out of those four for you? Because to me, I think that it sounds like Power just got out of jail over there at Heath Park, but I just can't go past the way the Raw are playing at the moment. They're just they're just beating the teams that they should beat, and they're doing it really, really well. Actually, the I think that for for mine, the results that uh, surprised me the most actually. Um, Gold, Gold Coast uh, Knights 2-1 over Redlands. Um, Gold Coast Knights got out to, they were up 2-0, sort of around about the, you know, just before half time. Um, and Redlands actually came back in that game, the 2-1, and then the red card to Gabe Hawash is what probably what uh, stifled their run. Um, I say that's probably more surprising than Peninsula Power and East because for some reason, um, Heath Park is an absolute graveyard for Peninsula for potential power, and even though they won, um, for a team that's been going around beating up teams very, very convincingly, they again just escaped, and that's uh, I think the third straight year now where potential power have really sort of you know sort of struggled to get that result at Heath Park, even though they got the three points, uh, they they really struggled. And like Brisbane Raw, bad the mind, they're flying, and um, Brandon McMorrow uh, got a double, uh, Cyrus Demi got a goal, and goals to uh. Holiday and Millard as well. Yes, it was. 
there was with a great performance from the Roar, and it was interesting. There's a little rumor that maybe the Gold Coast game was called off in the 83rd minute because of because of wet, wet, the heavy pitch. But that's unconfirmed. I have to have to I haven't actually had a chance to check that out. But that's something I just read. Then I'm un, unconfirmed, but maybe possibly that did happen. The one game on the Sunday, and I can tell you to go through it's the full 90 minutes. Gold Coast United three, Brisbane Strikers one. There at the Parc de Perry, Jared Kyle, Adam Ondine, and Shane Smeltz on the score sheet, and it was a it was a they did what they had to do, Gold Coast, really. I mean, the strikers pushed, but as as tends to happen with the strikers, they tend just to make a couple of sloppy mistakes and then their opponents are in, and that happened once again today. Pretty comfortable win for Gold Coast. Yeah, seven uh, seven straight defeats now for Brisbane Strikers. Um, we were talking to colleagues of ours at the uh, Raw game yesterday, and, um, and, and look, I think with the strikers... It's going to take some time. I think they're showing signs at the moment. We we're yet to actually cover them live yet, and we'll, we'll tend to get to the next few weeks. But um, but the the sort of the, the consensus at the moment is that this young side they're they're not they're not as bad as what the zero and seven start suggests. It's just the mentality of these young teams at the moment. When you have young players, it's certain moments um, where they sort of you know, make a mental mistake, and that's what they're being made to pay. So, I think that you know the case. Then they maybe they might start putting results together at the back end of the season, so causing some trouble for teams in the run home. The problem is for them, as far as you know, their their survival hopes is will they be too deep in it. To, to be able to dig themselves out. And I think that's going to be the big challenge for John Cosmina with that team is that while at the moment they're probably playing performance-wise, you know, to a standard, um, results-wise, yeah, they, it may be too late before they even sort of even start to make that, uh, to, to start building up to something. They did add Ryan Coquel during the week. He'll mm. add some experience that side. But you mentioned that the hole they may very well dig themselves in. Well, they currently sit bottom of the table, Adam. At the end of round seven, and on on zero points, the only team yet to pick up a point in the NPL Queensland Magpies, Crusaders, and Redlands join them in in the, in the drop zone currently. East just ahead of them. Is there a surprise team there for you? Because I don't think I saw East quite that far down the table. They seem to have had a bit of a slow start to the year. Yeah, East, I think, are the victims of um, the schedule. As far as I think, I ain't sort of they played four out of seven. Games at the moment, so they they're gonna have they're gonna have some games that they can catch up, and probably some winnable games as well. So especially uh, like I said, they 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 own three points over Olympic, so um, that that's gonna be crucial as far as you know, keeping them sort of out of any trouble. So they're probably the surprise as far as how far down. But again, with the weather and you know scheduled games coming up, I think that they'll they'll be okay once they catch up. Absolutely, that win for Gold Coast does move them clear of the relegation zone as well. They, need top that. Of, yeah. they did need that win, particularly given what they've got coming up next week, which we'll talk about later on. At the top of the table, however, Adam, it's completely nothing has changed. Peninsula Power remain top of the table. They've got a, they've got a game in hand as well in second place, Gold Coast Knights. Raw remain third, and Lions, Lions Olympic remain fourth and fifth with Morton Bay not playing this weekend. So nothing's changed at the top. Yeah, um, actually, when I said uh, fifth and sixth at the moment, I sort of, in, in my mental note was that I expected Morton Bay to win um, at Ballinger Park this afternoon and jump into fourth place, which would be, you know, you never have seen that thought that um, any time last few years that you see Lions Olympic at fifth and sixth, but uh, yeah, they're fourth and fifth at the moment. So uh, it's interesting time, but I think the six are starting to pull, the pull away. I think the teams that we thought that would be yeah. dominating. I think they're starting to open up a gap and uh, I think it's it's you know, high time, you know, a team like Gold Coast United and East are probably, probably that next level. Capalabar are travelling along as well. They've got some heavy defeats, you know, from time to time but the games that they are 
expected they expected to pick up points. They are doing that. So it's it's a very, very interesting sort of dynamic in the chasing pack, but that top six might be starting to get away. Absolutely. And Alex Parsons, despite not playing in the NPL for the last couple of weeks, he remains top of the NPL golden boot with eight, one ahead of Andy Pengelly. Into the women's weekend now, Adam, and we covered the game this afternoon. Gold Coast United 2-0 over Brisbane City. And despite being a top four showdown, this was a pretty comfortable result, this one for Gold Coast, wasn't it? They controlled large parts of this game. Yeah, look, uh, Gold Coast United, they're, they're just showing at the moment. They, 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 you know, as far as retaining their um, premiership, they're, they're, well, they're well on track. This, this is a very, very good team, especially if you know the, the younger players seem to be really stepping up. You know, we just we can't stop fawning over um, Kira Richards-Bassett. You know, she, she only played uh, limited minutes this afternoon, but when she came on, she was sort of causing all sorts of sort of chaos and whatnot. But look, on the other hand, um, Brisbane City actually were not too bad. Um, even though they sit, they sit in third, they'll they'll beaten comfortably by Gold Coast as far as the score sheet goes. But look, I'd say they 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 did try very very hard. I think you know defensively, I thought uh, Rachel Oates in goal was she she was great. Um, I think I think you know the defense did what they could. But this this is just a they're they're attacking team that and that midfield the midfield and the forwards for Gold Coast United. Um, there's not going to be too many games that they're only giving held to two goals. Um, so that's going to be something I think that Brisbane City can at least hold their hat on and say that, you know, that it was damage limitation as far as goal difference goes. Yeah, they were solid, but the execution wasn't quite there for Brisbane City. So they certainly showed they're going to be a threat over the course of the season. Elsewhere in round seven of the NPL Women's on Friday night, Virginia 3-2 win away to the gap. That was quite a great result there for Virginia. One all draw between Moreton Bay and Mitchelton. East with a 4-0 four, four win over Southwest Queensland Thunder. Capalaba 4-1 wins at home over the QAS. Lions 12-0 over Peninsula Power. That was quite a one-sided yeah. one there, Adam. And in the other couple of games played this afternoon, South United won, South Sunshine Coast Wanderers won, Olympic FC won, Western Pride too. But it was one-way traffic at, at Lions last night for that game over Peninsula Power. was And not to be unexpected. No, um, yeah, there's big trouble at Peninsula Power in their women's program at the moment. It's it's probably, to put it in perspective, it's probably worse than Moreton Bay last year. And that, that is saying something. Um, it is. It's more so, uh, with, with Moreton Bay last year, it was more about the fact that you, know, you had 15, 16-year-old girls that were playing against the you know, growing women and getting absolutely blown off the park every week. Unfortunately, this power side, they're down to the bare bones of 16 players. They've had, they actually had to withdraw their under-23 women's side in, in that competition because of it. So it, it is um, a very, very troubling um, thing up there. And look, results like this, I would not be surprised. You know, with 17 teams at the moment, um, I would not be surprised if the thought process comes up between Peninsula Power and Eve, or maybe even Football Queensland, to say, look, you know, pull out of the senior women's, rebuild, come back next year in FQPL. Because, yeah, um, again, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a great situation. And like I said last year over Morton Bay, I sometimes worry about when teams are getting blown off the park like this and scores like this. Look, not take nothing, nothing away from Lions. They're... They are a supremely good team, and that that's like a probably beat half the W League, you know, when when they if they put together. But um, yeah, 
the, the results like that, uh, they'd probably need to uh, re rethink it. Uh, it's just yeah, it's it's not it's not good. No, it's not. Western Pride did that last year to your point, and they yeah they bounced back this year into the competition quite quite nice. We'll look at the table in a minute, but they're they're well and truly in the top half of the table. Just quickly, third straight loss for the gap. Is it a bit of time for a bit of concern out at Walton Bridge, perhaps? Uh, yes, I think yes and no. I think um, uh, Mick Gallo. You know, I think he's he's I think he's pretty uh. Uh, what's the one I'm trying to say? He's, he's very yo know, set in his ways as far as yo. Know, his his mantra is that you know it's about build, building a team, build, building a culture, building a um, you know building sort of you know the performance. But uh, so maybe maybe this side's probably not good enough for you know the the MPL you know side of things for this season. Maybe maybe some time in that second tier of FQPL next season. Which mind you. For a, for a club like the Gap, who have been powerhouses for women's football, um, you know, for for twenty years, it may not be you know on the surface a great look, but then again, like I said, there are some really talented players in that team um, that you know that may may you know going into FQPL and getting some confidence out of that may you know do wonders for them because you know the the talent is there, but maybe you know just shielding them from you know. From you know, some of these top teams might be the be better way to go, especially if there there may be a number of players that you know they could be potential Matildas. So I think I think you know maybe that it is it is a concern if you just look purely as results. But I think performance wise, I think you know Miguel is pretty set on you know what he wants to do and what his um, his mo is about. You know, building you know and producing you know future stars of the women's game. Absolutely, and there's still a long way to go, but they do find themselves currently down in 14th place on six points. There's a pretty it's very tight in the middle of midfield between 8th and 14th. We're talking about six points. So there's more than enough time to close a gap that small. But at the top of the table, it's pretty much what you'd be expected. Adam Lyons are out in front on 19 points. Gold Coast, 18 points. They've got a game in hand, however. So there's a good chance that Gold Coast will eventually find themselves back at the top of the table once again. City are in third. Now you've got South and Capalabar not far behind with the aforementioned Western Pride in now into the top six. So... That would probably be the big surprise, wouldn't it? Western Pride into the top six. We thought they'd go well, but they're going really well at the moment. Probably Western Pride into the top six, and also Virginia United in uh, was it ninth? They're into the eighth place. Eighth place, yeah. So, so yeah, they're, now two sides that you know those predictions we're no longer referring to. We sort of thought that maybe that you know those those clubs might struggle. So, obviously they. They they they're going along all right, and obviously I think both of them you know do have to run the gauntlet against you know the likes of Lions and Lions of City and um and Gold Coast United, and that might you know start working against them. But you know for the moment you know they're they're up in the top eight, and yeah, look, it's uh I think they'll be take confidence from that. Absolutely. Now just quickly before we move on to the FQPL, you mentioned to me today off the record that you thought that Gold Coast United were the were the um, favourites for the league this year? Would you, do you want to explain that? Yeah, I, look, I, I do think that. Um, no disrespect to Lions. I the only, the only thing is to say is what you know as far as depth go, and this is a side who's clicking over well at the moment, and they've, they've got Momo Hayashi, who's probably about you know two months away from returning, which will be which will be around about that run to the you know to the split. Um, where you know, she comes back and says, this, this, the way the sides go at the moment, they're pretty much you know, beating everyone up at will. You add who I believe is probably you know, pre, 
knee injury probably was the best player in you know in the in the NPL women's. You had heard of this team. Um yeah, they're gonna be almost unstoppable. Uh Lions look they're they're a very, very good team. And look at two weeks' time at Coplex, you know, I think we're gonna get our first clues about who is the who is the dominant force in NPL women's in twenty twenty one. But right now, looking at both sides, the way they're going, I'm I'm in Gold Coast United's corner. It's a bit like the unmovable force versus the immovable object, isn't it? I'll still stick with Lions. I think the goal, their goal-scoring power, to me, is completely overwhelming. And I do think they will overwhelm Gold Coast when they play, but we'll have to wait and see. I would certainly look forward to seeing it in a couple of weeks and talking about that that overwhelming forward line. They dominate the top of the NPL Golden Boot as well. Shea Connors is 14. Bella Habuda is 12, but Amy Gunston 10. And Tegan Riding 7. So that front third is always well and truly in form. And actually, that would be very interesting battle between Shea Collins and Isabella Habuda to see who does take out the golden boot because at the moment they look like they're the two standouts. Yeah, that's uh, the, that, that's pretty much the end. And that's pretty much you know, the battle for the golden boot. And the funny thing is as well is that they haven't got a bad supporting cast either. Um, you know, for Lions, you know, Tegan Riding is, is going to, you know, she's going to score goals. Amy Gunston just seems to pop up every every weekend and picks up a couple. Um, and on the, on the flip side of things with Gold Coast United, you know, you've got, Deanna Thompson, who's, you know, in her, in her career, she you know, scored, you know, over 165 goals or something. Um, so she's not, she's, you know, pretty, pretty good as well, as far as, you know, pick up a goal. So that battle, that might be a case, of, that battle for the Golden Boot might be a case of the, the player that does not win it might blame their teammates for taking yes. the goals off them. Because, um, yeah, but like I said, we're talking with, like, 40 goals might be for both, might, is not out of the, out of the question as far as the final mark. It's not. Dee Thompson's also up there in the top five of the MPL women's golden boot race as well. So you're yeah. right. In the top ten is actually five players from Gold Coast and Lions. So they're certainly dominating at that as well. Now, FQPL will move on to the four games which were played this week. Obviously, Mitchelton versus Sunshine Coast. That was washed out and will be replayed on Tuesday night out there at Taralba Park. But the four games which did go ahead, which night 7-0 over Holland Park. That was a bit of a statement, Adam. And the other game Friday night, Wynnum Wolves 4 Southside Eagles three, a first win of the year, the season for Wynnum. Yeah, Wynnum um, added a bit of firepower, which they sorely needed. Um, with a uh, former Raw striker Nathan Yoon, um, I, I believe making a debut and picking up a, a double, so he uh, got to the moment. Win, Wolves uh, finally win a game, which is you know I think that I think that coming as a relief because um, yeah they you know they obviously. Yeah, they had a slow start last year as well, and you know, able to really rattle home. So I think they're hoping that you know the events of 12 months ago repeat. And I think you're having um, a striker like Nathan Yoon, if he stays in form, uh, might be he, he might be you know the catalyst to just drag him back into at least get themselves out of the um, relegation zone. That's that's phase one for Wolves. Yeah, they certainly took advantage of that break last year, no doubt about that, and they came home really, really strong. The other two games I think were very, very interesting. Out, I mean. Brisbane City had the buy this week, so it was an opportunity for teams to close the gap on them at the top of the table, and Southwest Queensland Thunder did that at home to the Western Pride, two one winners on Saturday night out there at Clyde Burkhoffer Stadium, and Rochdale Rovers are actually now top of the tables with a six one win over South United. So there's just two really really important wins for for a couple of sides there who we think are going to be challenging Brisbane City for that promotion spot. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, I think I think for for mine, this is you know, purely my opinion. I think Rochdale may have slipped into that that so I guess that number one contender to you know Brisbane City at the moment as far as the promotion spot to MPL next season. Uh, they're they're due to meet in a couple of weeks' time, so we're gonna we're gonna find out you know what what's you know, who's yeah you know, who's the best team as far as you know, Rochdale and Brisbane City. Thunder, you know, although they've lot they've they've dropped game points to both Rochdale and Brisbane City. I think they're a clear third and Ipswich Knights, you know, that's a that's a big statement win because they they were pretty ordinary against um against City. And I think that might be I guess a sign of you know, that may have been an aberration more than you know sort of form slump. And maybe a sign of how good this Brisbane City team is because they uh, Holland Park actually were, you know, half decent um as far as they're in half decent form and yeah they've been blown away at um over at Eric Evans on Friday night. They were. And we should, we should also point out the Thunder's win over Pribe was really important because it was, a, it was actually a win over the unbeaten Western Pribe. It was their mm. first loss of the season. We talked about Western Pride last week. How would they go against the top contending sides? I mean, he's got the first evidence of that this week. A pretty good performance, but not quite good enough to challenge those top three sides. So I think pretty much where they're going to be this year. Looking at the table, Rosa Rovers, as I mentioned, they're on top on 16 points from six games played. Brisbane City, one ga- one point behind, but one game in hand. Thunder are 12 points from six games. Ipswich Knights, they're now ahead of their local rivals on goal difference. Both of them on nine points. However, Western Pride do have a game in hand, Adam. So that top four race in the FQPL could be very interesting on Derby Day and Ipswich in a couple of weeks' time. We'll move on to the FQPL 2, where there were only two games played this weekend, again because of the weather. North Star and Caboolts will be played midweek. Coomer and Virginia replayed at a later date, but the two games were played, Adam. Sanford Rangers 2, Magic United 0. And in the other game played this afternoon, a bit of an upset, Grange Thistle 1, Turinga Rovers 0. Late winner for Grange. Yeah, that that's a, that's a big uh, upset. I think that might uh, tip the scale slightly in the favour of uh, Kabulcha, who were, were idle this week because of uh, the uh, postponement of their game. Um, but look, take nothing away from Grange. Uh, they, we, we saw them, uh, we covered them on Tuesday night in their rescheduled match from round one against North Star at O'Callaghan Park. And they looked very, very, um, they looked very, very disciplined in defence, I must say. And look, that may, that actually may be the one thing that may upset the apple cart in a way that, that they look like of all the, of all teams FQPL two, which looks like a free flowing uh, competition as far as, you know, attack goes, um, their, their defense looks like it might be one of the, one of the better ones. So it's, it's hard to sort of know with Taringa and Caboolture because they've been just blowing teams off the park you know, with, with, um, you know, with their attack that whether their defense, when they come under pressure uh, actually will, will is actually, you know, up to scratch. So that, that's going to be an interesting test. But, um, yeah, no, Grange definitely looks like that, you know, they, they've sort of made a statement that, you know, it's not all about Taringa and Caboolture in, in FQPL 2. No, it's a big week for the Grange. Two wins away from home against some pretty tough opponents. Northstar, who was sitting in the top four at the time when they beat them, and also Tringaros, who are now top of the table, despite that loss, say they're top of the table. So it's two massive and results. To- Turinga Kabulcha play. Um, they, they'll, they'll play this weekend, so we're gonna get yeah. some. We're gonna get some um, some clues again about which uh, which team you know is you know the dominant force in FQPL two. And uh, look, Kabulcha could actually steal a march with with a big win um, on Saturday afternoon. 
It's absolutely. It's very, very interesting between those top two sides. Stringer have played the extra game, so it's five games played to four. They're both on 12 points. The goal difference for both of them is very, very extensive. Actually, they've only did three goals each for the season. So defensively, both those sides, along with Grange, are all really, really impressive. The attack is also great for Tringaro. Sean Karambasis is already on 11 goals for the season. He's in great form at the moment. He might be the difference, Adam, in terms of if they are two very even sides, a goal score like that may very well make the difference. Yeah, so I nearly fell out of my seat when I saw that um, Sean Karambas is already up to 11 goals. Um, I know he's been scoring goals, but uh, but yeah, uh, it's definitely, you know, he, he's, he's scoring goals. But look, don't put it past Kabulcha as well, like uh, Joe Kopas and Lucas Pullen as well. They, they've they're in great touch, show with the goals as well. They may, as far as the golden boot race goes, they may end up taking goals off each other, you know, which might put rule both of them out of contention. But, yeah, look, uh, both both are very, very heavily attacked. No, that'll be a fascinating game on, on Saturday, but whether which offense, you know, overpowers the other or whether it becomes a stalemate. And we actually, you know, it might be one goal that decides it. Absolutely. We'll look ahead now to the next seven days, Adam, and we've got the FFA Cup draw to midweek for round six and seven. We'll certainly talk about that on the show next Sunday. But before that, it's the double derby weekend, which we've been calling it. Starting off on Friday night with, with the first Redland derby of the season between Redlands and Capalaba down at the Cleveland Showgrounds. 9.5 kilometres separate those two, according to Google Maps. Anyway, I thought it was a bit closer on that, but that's what apparently it is. And it's a massive game, isn't it? Redlands, your, your point earlier, they're going along pretty well, but Capalaba seem to get points when they're required. And Thinking back to 2020, this in these these fixtures, it was two pretty comfortable wins for Capalba. Do you expect it to be three for three this weekend? Yes, yes, I do. Um, I do, like I, said, I don't think it's going to be the blowout that we saw in the derby game uh, last season at Max Haynes. Uh, Redlands were just yeah, they were they were awful in that in that in that game that we actually covered down at Max Haynes. I think there was also a lot of emotion in that game for. For Capalabar, given that you know the 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 um at the time you know Max Haynes you know he he was celebrating with his life membership, it, you know that and they named it they named the ground after him on that occasion. So so there's a lot of emotion with that. Uh, but yeah, look, I I expect Redlands to put up a fight at home, but I think Capalabar might be just a little too too good. Absolutely, very interesting. The two results I actually mentioned the result last year. For Capalabar at home, that was very, very one side. I'm pretty sure the result actually at Cleveland Showgrounds was a pretty much a three nil as well. So there were two pretty comfortable wins for for Capalabar. So I'm sure Redlands Zara will be itching to itch set the record right there. It was the first time they had played in about ten years in league play. So I'm sure they'll be looking for a first derby win in a while in a competitive game for Redlands United. But Saturday night, Adam also down on the Gold Coast. It's the first Gold Coast derby of the season between Gold Coast Knights and Gold Coast United down there at Coplick Family Sports Park. And this is going to be, it's always a massive game when these two sides play, but there's a bit of extra spice in this one, isn't there, with Gray Piddick coaching against his former side for the first time. Oh, this is this has got, you know, subplots, headlines written all over this. Um, this, this was a game that, you know, we, we circled when the draw came out. So this is going to be must-see. And it's good to see that, you know, Gold Coast United getting a win um, tonight against strikers because that means they'll go into this game with form. And when you got a derby like this, where it's a, it goes a lot further beyond just you know, the ninety minutes, um, yeah. Look, form wise, go out the window. 
And uh, especially at Gold Coast United, obviously Shane Smelter's back as well. He got on the score sheet tonight. Um, Jared Kyle, form, obviously former Knights player. You know, it, it's it's going this is going to be a game to remember, and hopefully for all the right reasons. I hope we see a you know an excellent game of football to go with the drama and the build up of this because this though I think the build up for this I think will be very very interesting to watch. I certainly think it will be. The, the, the games at Coplex actually seem to be the ones which are the closer games for Gold Coast United you know, in terms of competitiveness. I think Gold Coast Knights have managed to win all four games so far in the NPL era between the two, and they beat them in the Cup the year before that. So Gold Coast Knights have owned this derby rivalry so far. But I got to well, think they, they won. The, they won the, the first. Yeah. The first two in NPL were were two draws. They were two. Big pardon, yeah. correct. So they've been, been Gold Coast. Unbeaten. I know United yes. haven't beaten. Yeah, Gold they've Coast been unbeaten yeah. against United yeah. in that run of time. So I could certainly imagine Gray Pitticle has something up his sleeve. And with the experience back with Shane Smeltz as well, you'd have to say he will be a massive, massive factor in this game. Whereas Mitch Nichols on Gold Coast Knights side will also be a big factor. Yeah, and there's plenty, plenty of you know, of players, name name players as well. You mentioned too in Mitch Nichols for Gold Coast Knights. You now Shane Smeltz for... for um, for Gold Coast United. So it's not it's not a game that, you know, not only that will showcase some great young talent that's coming through on the Gold Coast, but you've got two players there that, you know, have got name value. This is a game that, you know, I think that, you know, hopefully, you know, if, if, you, if your team is not playing, you know, during, you know, playing on Saturday night, that, you know, this is a game that you will, will get on MPL TV or Football Queensland Facebook page and, you know, watch, because I think you're not going to be disappointed. And we've seen the Gold Coast football community have certainly got behind these games in the past. I mean, I think the, in the last couple of years, it's been the, the weekend game has been at the Croatian Sports Centre, whereas the games at Coplex have been rescheduled for midweek because of wet weather. So hopefully, fingers crossed that Coplex can hold up this week and we can get a derby down there at Gold Coast United on the weekend and get a big crowd down there because I'm sure the Gold Coast football public will be get behind it. But also, you mentioned the fact young players perform in this game. This was the birth of Mason Cross last year with that unbelievable strike in the derby as well. So keep an eye on that as well. It's not just the big names, but we won't, I won't get to get a prediction for that one because I think it's far too close to call, Adam, but we will. <laughs> I will get you before we wrap up to give me your performer of the week. Um, I had to think about this, but I'm going to go with Daniel Leck, you know, for his, for his equaliser in uh, the, uh, in the Lions v Olympic game, just which adds just another chapter in what has been a sensational rivalry and may long continue. I can't argue with that. He was my player of the week. Behind that strike on the angle, it was absolutely perfect. I mean, I'm sure you're going to see it on goals of the week if you haven't seen it already, but it was a fantastic strike and a, a great way to cap off a great night out there at the gold line. And, uh, and I, was, yep. I was going to say, right. sorry, also as well, like to, you talk about goal of the week. Yeah, Max Miklos as well was, yeah. you know, like I said, I, I, we said before which one's the better one. Yeah, like I said, they, they were both pretty special. And um, like Mac, Max Mikler, he, he looks like he stepped up as far as now, you know, he was, you know, banging goals for fun in, you know, FQPL last season. He looks like an MPL player now. Absolutely. We make up your mind up, my own mind up, which one of those was the goal of the week, I'm sure, over the next couple of days. But for now, Adam, I'll do us. Thanks for talking to me once again. Yep. Thanks, Scott. We'll be back again next week to the degree, Cap another weekend in the MPL Queensland. If you can, get out and enjoy the games over the course of the weekend, particularly those two derby matches that we mentioned, and we'll talk to you all again next week.